Well, good morning, everybody. I am just going to flat out pick right up from where we left off last week. So if you were not here last week, oh, sorry. But last week, uh, we looked at the proposition that your past cannot disqualify you from the next chapter of life with God. We looked at a dude named Levi, a tax collector, the most hated and reviled character of the first century. Your past cannot disqualify you from the next chapter of life with God. And in some ways, I'm trusting that the Lord was able to actually bring that message home to many of you. But in my mind, it also left a wide open question. Um, great, so God can take care of my past, but, but what do we do with our past once He's taken care of it? Does that question even make sense? It, it, thank you. Good. At least one person's tracking with me. Well, then I can skip this whole next paragraph. That's perfect. Of course God can forgive our past. That's what Jesus came to do. So whatever sin or darkness is in our past, it's been forgiven and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And we celebrate that through our worship and through our teaching and through our lives lived in obedience to Him. And even those places where we've been wounded in our past, we know that God can bring healing and wholeness and redemption to even those places because of who Jesus is and what He's done. And so we celebrate that. And so we declare the victory of Christ over all of it. But it doesn't change the fact that the past still happens. Our past has shaped us. And that doesn't unshape very easily. When I was younger, I wanted to build skateboard decks. I wanted to start a company and build skateboard decks. Backwash skateboards. I had it all figured out. And to bend the wood, you actually have to put it into like a steam tube and get the, the high temperature, and the pressure is good too if you can get a nice good seal on the steam tube, so you can get the wood nice and pliable, and then you take it out and you put it into a mold and clamp it to get the nice wavy parts in the deck. And then, over time, as it dries out, it is formed, and then when you take the, the, the mold off it, it retains its shape. Now, for a skateboard, that's a good thing. For a life, and whether it's sin or woundedness, sometimes you, you wish that shape would undo. You wish you weren't so shaped by your past. Our past shapes us. So what do we do with the shaping that has taken place? If we're forgiven and healed, it doesn't just magically make our past disappear. And in some cases, it's not just that we've been shaped by our past, but we have been scarred by our past. I've got a good one right here on my knuckle from when I was doing sheet metal work with my dad. I've got another one on my knee here from when I was trying to pull around on my skateboard and drop into a ramp, and I didn't quite make the corner, so my knee hit the concrete wall and just... <laughs> it was amazing. And I've got this mottled sort of scaly skin down the outside of my left leg. Anyone know where that came from? Softball! Church softball 2010! If you search my Facebook page, there's a photo of my leg missing all of its skin from my ankle to my knee because I slid into second base, but I was safe and I was batted in and we won the game. 
But all that to say, these things, these injuries, these wounds, they've been healed. But they're still a mark. You can still see that they happened. And as you go on through life, you're reminded of these things. What do we do with our past? Because our past doesn't just disappear as much as we would like it to at times. What are we to do with our past? And this morning, I am proposing to you that we learn something from the pages of Scripture and that it's that God might actually use your past to prepare you for your next chapter. God might use your past. Far be it from Him to erase it or to to get rid of any evidence that your past might have once existed. God might actually use your past to prepare you, to equip you, to put you on His path towards the next chapter He has for your life. And the biblical character I want to draw our attention to this morning is the Apostle Paul. Because here is a dude who had a past. And if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 22. We're going to read verses 3-10. through If you've got a Black Pew Bible and only a Black Pew Bible, you'll find this on page 904. But I would invite you to turn there and read along with me as I read out loud. Just as you're turning there, a bit of context. This is sort of nearing the end of Paul's time, right? Acts chapter 22, we're getting near the end of the book. And he decides that he has to go back to Jerusalem. And as he's deciding this, everyone's saying, no, don't go, Paul. They're going to arrest you, beat you, flog you, and do horrible things to you. And he says, but I got to. I have to go to Jerusalem to tell them about Jesus. And that might even get me arrested and sent to Rome. He's got this whole plan going. But it comes true. He goes to Jerusalem and the Jews get into an uproar and they drag him outside the temple, slam the doors, and beat him to a pulp. And he's only rescued by a Roman garrison who comes in and says, you probably shouldn't be doing that to a human being. And they, they rescue him. And then Paul addresses the crowd. He asks permission of the commanding officer, can I speak to them? And the crowd becomes quiet. And we find these words. Then Paul said, Look, I am a Jew born in Tarshish of Cilicia, brought up in this city, that's Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way, that means Christianity, and I persecuted them to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus. And I went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. You know what I mean? Paul had a past. But the text continues. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. 
What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. This is the Word of the Lord. So Father, as we approach Your Word this morning, we do so with the humility and a posture of listening that says we want You to speak. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would break down whatever barriers we've put up between You and us that that might prevent us from hearing, whether it's a calloused heart or an exhausted one, whether it's a distracted heart or whatever else might be getting in our way of hearing from You. We need You. And we need Your voice in our lives. And we ask that You would illuminate Your Word to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So that that was a little snapshot of Paul's past. He comes to a turning point like all of these characters that we've been looking at. He used to persecute the church until he literally had a come to Jesus moment. He was dropped by a bright light on the Damascus road. He met Jesus and the whole course of his life was changed. And when I think of someone whose past might be something he would want to sweep under the carpet a little bit, you know, here he is out there the Apostle Paul as we know him, we celebrate him. He's the uber-apostle. He's like the, the Apostle of Apostles. He's Read the book of Acts sometime. You're like, wow, this dude is amazing. If I could live like one one-hundredth of his life to the glory of God, I would do that. Paul has this past. This past where he was trained and equipped and even sent out to persecute the church, those who follow Jesus. And I think he's a really good example of how God might use someone's past to prepare them for their next chapter. And how does this happen? It's by giving him a voice that is unique to his story. By giving him a voice. I'm going to jump around through the rest of the Bible this morning a little bit. You do not have to follow along by trying to keep up by flipping pages. You're welcome to if you always got first place in the sword drills as a kid. But let me start by jumping to a text from Philippians chapter 3 where Paul talks about his pedigree. Where Paul talks about his past. What makes Paul, Paul? He says in Philippians chapter 3, starting in at verse 4, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in their history, in their background, in their story, Paul says, I got more. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He keeps going. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul had game. If you think about what he was really saying, he was saying, look, my family background is impeccable. My ancestors, I have all the right ancestors. I have all the right parentage. My lineage is awesome. He's saying, did you notice my education? In the text we read earlier, he studied under Gamaliel, one of the most influential uh, Pharisees of his day. He was trained. He was at the best schools. The best. He's the Harvard of Jerusalem. And have you seen his resume? He was a Pharisee. He actually got into the Pharisaical school. And then his career would start persecuting the church, even going to Damascus to chase down Christians and either kill them or bring them back. And then at the very end, he says, and with regards to the law of righteousness, 
flawless, he says. That means his life is Facebook approved. There's nothing in his background that anyone can drag up suddenly and say, look, but remember in 2010 when you slid into... No, none of that. He has got a Facebook approved life. The problem with all of these things is that none of them matter. The problem with all of these things is that none of them matter. In fact, when we look at the rest of the story that we just read from Acts 22, we see what really does matter. That at noon, as he came near Damascus, a bright light flashes around him, he falls to the ground, and he hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asks, who are you, Lord? The Lord answers, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. What shall I do then? And he's sent to meet a guy named Ananias who communicates the Lord's plans to him. So down by verse 14 and 15, Ananias says to him, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know His will, to see the righteous one, to see Jesus there on the road to Damascus, to hear words from His mouth. And here comes the assignment. You will be His witnesses. Be His witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And what we see in this text is that Paul was indeed shaped by his past. That God had a role for him that was unique to him based on the experiences that God had brought him through, the training and the equipping that he'd received, the, 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 the various privileges that trained him in rhetoric and argumentation, in knowledge of the law, in, in sort of even just being raised in that context in Jerusalem under Gamaliel, he has this really unique background. Now, he used that background to persecute the church, so he was like completely flat out wrong. But isn't it interesting that Paul then demonstrates in the years that come, he demonstrates himself to be one of the most eloquent, rational, logical, and well-argued defenders and explainers of the Christian faith. And we get a book like the book of Romans from him. Paul's past, his education, his experience, his exposures, all the things that he used in all the wrong ways for all the wrong reasons, and yet when God called him, when God redeemed him, when he said, you now belong to me and I've got a new job for you, all of that stuff that was going badly that was being used to the wrong ends, God redeemed all that too. And He said, guess what, Paul? You're actually uniquely positioned for this new job I've got for you. So when I say that God might use your past to prepare you for the next chapter, we, I do think your past shapes you. And one of the ways it shapes you is it can give you a unique voice to speak into very unique circumstances that no one else is able to speak into. Because you have a story. You have a past. And you end up uniquely qualified to speak into that place. Now, I do need to take a time out here. <whistles> Sit in the corner for one minute. Because Paul even addresses his own past. Unless you think that Paul's trying to somehow promote himself and say, Look, God called me, and He called me because look at all this awesome training I had. That uniquely qualifies for His kingdom ministry. Let's just be very clear that Paul even addresses that in Acts 22 because he says, but whatever were gains to me, this is right after all of those qualifications, whatever were gains to me, I now consider 
loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, I want to know Christ. So he says, my family ancestry, it actually doesn't matter. He says, my educational background, who actually cares? All of my pedigree, my career, my even my Facebook approved life, none of it matters if I don't know Jesus. He basically comes out and says, here is the one, the most important thing. You've got to know Christ. And if you're there, well then that transforms. That changes everything. I think there's an interesting contrast to the exceptional nature of of Paul's preparedness when you look at someone like Peter. Paul had all of the educational advantages. Paul had all the training. Paul had the family ancestry, Hebrew of Hebrews, the whole deal. Peter? I think Peter was the Galilean equivalent of a redneck. Peter was a fisherman who had no educational background or training. He was the salt of the earth. And he always put his foot in his mouth. And that's just who he is. And yet, after spending time with Jesus, Peter becomes this incredible uh, communicator, uh, preacher. At Pentecost, he goes off and just does this incredible sermon as the Holy Spirit descends and starts changing the world. And you know, it's, it's the one that ends. And this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, what must we do to be saved? And so repent and get baptized. And like thousands of people come to know Jesus. He heals people. In the power of Jesus. And the Pharisees are just not cool with this. They thought they'd just gotten rid of Jesus. Now, some of the same stuff. And, and yet, there's this healed man standing right in front of them. And they don't, can't really argue with the healing because it's right there. And this is what the book of Acts records about those Pharisees. In verse 13 it says, And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, who were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let that sink in, because it, your past might be extraordinary in all the wrong directions. <laughs> you might have all the right pedigree, all the right family ancestry, you might have all of the best educational opportunities, and God might leverage that for His kingdom. But you might be unschooled, ordinary people. And Peter was no slacker either. Because it's not about Paul and it's not about Peter. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ doing His thing through us. An extraordinary past is not what is necessary. What really matters, and I'm kind of regretting doing this now, been with Jesus. This is what matters. Been with Jesus. What made the difference in transforming Paul's past He met Jesus. What made the difference in Peter going from redneck to preacher extraordinaire? Jesus. What makes the difference in your past? In transforming your story of being shaped by all of the experiences and all the things you've lived through and walked through and had to suffer through? What makes the difference in seeing that transformed, redeemed, resurrected for the glory of Jesus? that we've met Jesus. It changes everything. 
what I'm proposing to you is that from this example, God might actually, and I say might, that God might use all these things in our past that what we'd like to do is sweep them under the carpet, what we'd like to do is forget about them, what we'd like to do is say these things don't matter because now I know Jesus. And I'm proposing to you the very real risk that God might actually not want some things swept under the carpet, but that He might want to use those things for His glory. And that you are uniquely positioned to have a voice based on the story that He's asked you to walk through. Our past can shape us and it can give you a voice. So my first question is this to you, how has your past given you a voice? This is where we start thinking about like you again. Okay, leave Paul aside. Leave Peter aside. Now we're talking about you. What is your past? What are your stories? What have you lived through? How has your past shaped you? And in light of that, what unique voice might God have given you to be able to be a part of the next chapter He's calling you into? I think the, the Paul and Peter comparison is kind of fun. And I'm going to dare, with, with the hope of not offending anybody, but at least if I offend someone, I hope to offend everybody, uh, to propose a way that your past can give you a voice. Uh, we live in a very well-educated corner of the world. Living near Boston, right? It puts us near the top one half of one percent of the most educated people in the world. We've got Gordon College down the road. We've got a seminary, a world-class seminary down the street. Our church is filled with people who are highly educated. That positions you to reach into communities that are also... It gives us the tools that we need to be able to speak clearly, to articulate the Gospel with truth and power and conviction using effective rhetoric and literary devices and, and clear logic. I think there is a path that says if you have this great education, God can use that and can use you uniquely in that way to speak His truth and the good news about Jesus. But there's also this other way that's super awesome. And that's if you didn't finish high school. But maybe you grew up in Gloucester. And that's a different education. And those of you who grew up in Gloucester might start nodding your heads at a very different education. Because you actually know what real life is like. Not insulated on an ivory tower, but you've grown up in some pretty dark places. And you've had to deal with the real world in ways that the educated elite will never be able to understand. And maybe you have a unique voice that someone like me will never have in this city. I'm Canadian. How am I supposed to reach Gloucester? Now, consider bringing these two voices together and realizing we've got this incredible blend of people who grew up in Gloucester and this incredible blend of people who are highly educated, and that it does remember the big X, and neither of them really matters? Because what actually matters? Well, that's right, you've been with Jesus. And so your story, whatever it is, positions you to have a voice to speak into that place to which God is calling you. And there is no better background or worse background. It is not better to be educated. It is not better to be street smart. Your story, when it meets Jesus, is transformed into something beautiful and unique that only you have. And it can be used for His glory. 
This is what I mean when I say God might use your past. And your past doesn't have to conform to what anyone else's past looks like. In fact, good luck trying to shape it into something it's not. God might use your past to actually be preparing you instead of sweeping it under the carpet. But to allow for it to have shaped you and to see that transform as you reach an unbelieving world for Him. So, so what I'm saying that our past can shape us, that was sort of the first half. Our past can shape us. Maybe we should own it and let it. And maybe we have a unique voice because of our past and the way we've been shaped. But I also mentioned at the beginning that the past doesn't just shape us, it can also scar us. Our past can leave us scarred. And I'm not talking about you know, cutting your knuckle on sheet metal. When we look back to the Apostle Paul, we see that that is a man who carried scars. He describes them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. By verse 24, he starts to list it. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. And I have been constantly on the move. He says, not that anyone's keeping track. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. He continues, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and do I not feel weak? Who is led into sin and do I not inwardly burn? Okay, that's a resume. Paul literally had physical scars on his body from trying to represent Christ into an unbelieving world. He was beaten and stoned and left for dead. But you don't think he didn't also have the emotional scars to go with that? And when you are encountering that which scars, two things tend to happen. Two alternatives. One is that life gets hardened. You know what I mean by that? Life gets hardened. If you feel scar tissue, it's not the soft, smooth skin that's around it. It's this hard, callous, uh, inflexible. The same thing happens to our hearts. When our hearts are wounded, our default human nature response is to get guarded, is to get self-protected, is to put up walls, or is to do anything we can to stop feeling. And over time, our hearts calcify. They get callous. They get hardened. And that is, if not ideal, certainly understandable. When our past has left wounds, and when we are scarred by what we have lived through, it is only natural and it is completely understandable to recognize the hardness that we allow to grow there to protect ourselves. But there's this other weird thing that can happen if we're not careful. And it's that God can sneak in there too. And instead of hardening us, God actually fills us with compassion for others. And here we go with this whole been with Jesus thing again. 
remember that even Jesus had scars. The goal is not to live a life without scars. Jesus Himself says, look, look here at my hands. Look at my side. Look at my feet. Would I ever want to go through that again? No, but that's part of me now. And it's for your benefit. And the Apostle Paul picks up on that theme and again in 2 Corinthians. Right away, this is how he opens the book. The opening verses of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is dangerous. This doesn't work if your heart is hardened. This doesn't work if you allow yourself to grow callous. This doesn't work if you're still in self-protection mode. But if you can lean on Jesus. That's not even something you have to conjure like it's it's a skill set that you need to develop. It really is throwing yourself at His mercy saying, I can't do this. But instead of pulling away from Him, you fall into His arms. You will find comfort there. You will find healing there. You will find hope there. And Paul highlights very, very clearly that that hope isn't just for you. That perhaps the past that God is allowing you to experience will actually one day, through a process, it is not a quick fix, but as God brings healing to those areas of life where you are scarred, He will also give you a heart of compassion for others who are going through the same thing so that you will be able to comfort those with the comfort you yourself have received from God. And here we have that same thing. You will have a voice. And that voice will be unique to you because it's based on your experiences, your past, your history, the things that you have had to endure or go through or suffer through, the very things that have scarred you make you uniquely qualified to speak into someone's life and to speak words of comfort And by words of comfort, I do not mean spiritualizing. Well, you just need to pray more. And I don't mean advice giving. Well, when it happened to me, here's what I did. Or here's what you need to do. And I don't mean false promises like, well, everything's going to be fine. Or even the condescension or minimalizing it. Ah, you'll get through this. Just buck up. We're talking about being with Jesus. And if in those darkest places, Jesus has met you there, Comfort means walking alongside someone else and helping them be with Jesus too. You are not the answer to their problem. Jesus is the answer to their problem. But to the extent that Jesus has met you in the places where you've been hurt, you have a unique voice to come alongside someone else who is hurting. To say, I've been there. And let me point you to the one who can bring healing and wholeness. God might use your past to prepare you for your next chapter. I'm telling you, our past can scar us. That much is a given. So the question, and now I'm coming back to you again, leaving Paul behind. 
How has your past given you a unique voice? Again, I think of of trying to explore that a little bit. I want to reiterate how much of a process that is. That God brings healing. And you might not be ready today in realizing the scars that you've got to say, hey, let me give somebody else the comfort I've received. And that's going to be like the last thing you want anyone to tell you. And that's okay. There's a place for that. There's a time for that. But if we believe in a God who resurrects the dead, then God is even going to resurrect whatever experience it was that brought you that wound. And He might depending on your story, invite you into a relationship where that is the very thing that someone else needs to experience through you. Someone needs to know they're not alone. Someone needs to know that it happens to other people and that Jesus can still heal us. So whether it's you walking alongside someone who's going through hardship or losing a loved one or dealing with terminal illness and having walked alongside someone, that gives you a unique voice or whether it's you yourself who have been diagnosed or, or hurt or, or having lost someone you love deeply. You are given a unique voice by God to be part of His kingdom purposes in the world. Our past can shape us, whether it's our educational opportunities or whether it's simply you know, being a Galilean fisherman. The point is, our past does shape us. What shapes us most is meeting Jesus. Our our past can scar us. Once again, what matters most is that we lean, we turn to, we chase after, we fall desperate and helpless at the feet of Jesus. And when we do, healing comes. When we do, forgiveness comes. When we do, our past is redeemed. And it is redeemed oftentimes for a very unique and specific purpose. And that might not be evident today. It might not be evident tomorrow. But one of these days, you're going to meet somebody and you're going to realize there is an alignment here. and There is a place where I have, based on my unique story and what God has allowed me to go through, I have the ability to speak Jesus into their life and to point them to Him. And when nobody else will have the credibility to do it, when no one else will be listened to, when no one else can understand what this individual is going through, you're going to turn around and realize, I think I understand. I think I've been there. Maybe it's that moment that God is going to invite you into their lives. Walk alongside them. Point them to Him. God might use your path to prepare you for your next chapter. Your past has given you a voice. Are we willing to use it? We pray. Jesus, I love the way the book of Acts ends. Kind of the, the stops. We don't get a full resolution to the story. We don't know. We know Paul ends up in Rome under house arrest and he's still preaching and then it just ends. And I love that because 
That means our lives are an extension of your story. We are the continuation of the book of Acts. Our lives carry the stories of your great and mighty works. And we see how someone like Paul is shaped by his past, Lord, whether it was from all of the training and equipping and, and, and privilege that he received, or whether it was from the hardship and the suffering and the persecution he endured. But in either of those cases, God, whether he was shaped by his background or scarred by it, he knew you, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, this morning as we contemplate our past, when we recognize that we need to own the ways we've been shaped, we need to recognize that, of course, we're scarred. Give us eyes to see that even in those hardest places, You are there. You've gone before us. You carry the scars. By Your stripes we've been healed. And so we ask You to help us through whatever that next step is in the healing process, whatever that next step is as we confess and repent sin and turn back to You, Help us move one step closer to You. And maybe even just be open to the idea that You might actually have a plan to use what we've gone through for Your glory and to point other people to You. May that not completely freak us out, Lord. Or may we even find a glimpse of hope in that to see the redemption that's present, that even the darkest past can be used and reclaimed and bring glory to Your name. It can be resurrected. Because You're a God who brings wholeness and healing. You're a God who forgives and restores. And may this church, may Your church, be filled with the stories, not of people sweeping their past under the carpet, but of people who delight in demonstrating your presence with us is what makes all the difference. May we be a people who've been with Jesus. And we invite you to gently, but we still invite you to use us, use our past for your kingdom purposes as we step into the next chapter of what you have for us. In your name. Amen.